It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Once again, today is January 7th, 2018, or January 8th, 2018, if you're listening on the Locked On Magic feed. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert uh, and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com, as well as the host of Locked On Magic here for our weekly Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. It also serves as the Monday episode of Locked On Magic. So if you are listening on Locked On Magic, you can always find us here Sundays at noon. I'm going to keep that noon time at least until the end of the football season. Sundays at noon uh, on the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live, or Facebook page, that's Facebook.com slash Orlando Magic Daily. Uh, you can, of course, always find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd and follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnMagic. On today's episode, I'm going to talk very quickly about Saturday's loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's fresh in all our minds, including a, 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 just not a, it's a disturbing trend and something that Frank Vogel actually pointed out after the game, but a trend that has been haunting the Magic throughout the season and something that I think really cost them in a winnable game. Let's, let's be real. It's a winnable game. Again, uh, what was a winnable game? against the Cavaliers and really put the Magic in a huge deficit in a game that they could not afford to be in a huge deficit. The margin for error is just very, very small. And then I'm going to take your questions. This is the mid-season mailbag. I've got my Orlando Magic Daily mailbag queued up and almost ready to go. I'm going to hopefully publish that on Monday. If not Monday, then certainly Tuesday. Uh, So I want to answer your questions about the Orlando Magic. I'll preview some of the questions that I've gotten uh, in that... um, in that mailbag, lots of stuff about the draft, lots of stuff about how the Magic move forward from here, so I'll answer some of those questions on today's show. Uh, so, But uh, as always, if you're watching on the Facebook Live, be sure to leave a question or comment in the comment section below. It is right here if you can see me pointing at it. I, I always get the pointing wrong because I'm not visually queued up, even though I kind of work in TV. Um, but but uh, always leave your questions. I'm here to interact with you. That's why I want to do the Facebook Live. That's why I, I wanted to try this project out. To interact with you live, have a place where we can have a, con- a live conversation every Sunday. And of course, I'll try and get you out of here just before 1 o'clock so you can watch the Jacksonville Jaguars defeat the Buffalo Bills or do whatever you want to do this Sunday afternoon. But I want to start, of course, with the with the, with the the game Saturday against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'll qu- quickly go through it. Orlando uh, went punch for, punch for punch with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, it was a three-point game with about 40 seconds left. Orlando erased a 23-point deficit, gave themselves a real chance to win, and then the bottom again kind of fell out from under them. They just kind of ran out of time. Aaron Gordon fouls out after an incredible run through the fourth quarter, played uh, played a really strong game, in my opinion, in a lot of ways. Did some things that, that of course, you know, you, you worry about a little bit with him, but um, a really, really strong game from Aaron Gordon. He's played fantastic basketball throughout this season. Uh, and, and Orlando got themselves close to the finish line and just, again, ran out of time. Isaiah Thomas missed a jumper that would have that that put the that would have put the Cavs up by five. 
Evan Fournier completely flubs the box out. I I, I said I when I watched it live, uh, I didn't quite catch everything. I just knew someone blew an assignment there because Wade kind of came open. Um, really just outsmarted, um, outsmarted Evan Fournier. Uh, I think Fournier had the box out, gave the effort, and and Wade was just better at at avoiding it than 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 perhaps Fournier could give give the box out. Um, judging by Fournier's reaction, he knew he made the mistake that cost his team the game. But let's be real. Uh, you know, I'm if, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that I'm someone that that does not believe that those are the plays that matter. In fact, I would argue that the next play was the one that mattered more, where uh, DJ Augustin turned to argue with the ref as Fournier was inbounding the basketball to him and turned it over on the inbounds. That play was probably a little bit more important than the missed box out, in my opinion, because that's something that you can... Uh, that you can maybe plan around and play around with, but um, but I I think that when it comes to uh, I I think that when it comes to to, the, to this game though, you really got to look at the bigger picture. You got to look at how the team played in the minutes before. I'm not someone that believes plays in the last two minutes um, plays in the last two minutes are more important than plays in the previous 46. The magic, the, the plain fact of the matter is Orlando made a lot of really bad mistakes, especially in the third quarter, that allowed Cleveland to extend the lead. Their defense got disconnected. You could kind of see their body language change. You could kind of see the emotion uh, change. And as their offense slowed down, their defense slowed down with it. And that's been a constant problem with this team. And honestly, that's what bad teams do. Let's, I mean, let's be real. We're, we're at the midpoint of the season now. Orlando's 12 and 28. Um, so the most wins that they'll have at the midpoint is 13, lucky number. Um, and, you know, they're on pace to win 25 games, essentially. This is a bad basketball team. This is one of the worst teams in the league. They're, they're, they're third, I think, in lottery odds at the moment. Um, this is definitely a, a, a team that is struggling. Uh, and, and so it, it's, it's difficult to ask them or difficult to expect them to play at a higher level. Or, or it's difficult to expect them to, to, to be more consistent. But what you do ask for is, or at least it, it's difficult to expect them to play at the highest levels every single night, night in and night out. But what you do expect them to do, what I think you can expect the Magic to do, is to play with energy and effort and intensity. And and for the most part, I think the Magic did that on Saturday. And I think really for the most part, for most of the last five games, I would say, since at least since Evan Fournier came back, the effort and intensity and energy level has consistently been there. It just hasn't been there for 48 minutes. And, and I think the precision uh, that's needed... Is definitely uh, definitely been a problem for the team overall. Like they just they don't execute at a high level. And again, this is a bad team. This is not a team that that, that has a lot of pieces that fit together. Um, it, it feels like if the Magic could just get one win, you know, maybe that would snowball. But then again, they got the win over Detroit and then kind of hit another wall and couldn't get over it. Um, so it, you know, it, it's tough to go through the season. I can't blame anyone. I can't blame anyone for looking ahead to the trade deadline, looking ahead to the draft. I know I've started doing that a little bit. I've started doing some draft prep, you know, watching some of the some of the top prospects because that's that's the reality of where the Magic season is at. But as I've said continuously, 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 even if you're a pro tanking guy, which I'm not, I, I think tanking just happens naturally. The team is bad; they will be bad. Um, even if you're in that mindset, I think that when you have opportunities to win, you need to win. And, and so I think the Magic missed an opportunity to win a basketball game on Saturday. They played well enough to win. Um, at the end of the day, I, I wish they had the urgency they showed in the fourth quarter earlier. I wish they had the intensity that they had in the fourth quarter earlier. 
And, you know, honestly, they made some plays down the stretch that they should not, that they needed to make, that they didn't make. And eventually you got to learn those lessons. I mean, if, if any of these players you're going to keep for the long term, and I think Aaron Gordon is certainly one, um, certainly, um, and, and he made a lot of winning plays, I thought, throughout the game and fouling out. He wasn't in the game at the end. Uh, if you're going to make, if you're going to keep any of these players, you need them to learn winning habits, and, and you can't do that if you're purposefully trying to lose games. And unfortunately, Cleveland's a very good opponent. There's no shame in losing to them, but you got to learn these lessons and you got to continue to grow. And that's that's the kind of thing that I look for for the second half of the season. Is this? T- is, is, are you seeing the growth from the players you want to see growth from? I mean, if, if there are certain players that you don't see as part of the future, and I'll let you name them. Um, not, don't name them in the comments. I mean, I, I'm, I'm asking that rhetorically. Um, it, if there are players that you don't, you know, that are not part of the future, you know, okay, maybe you don't see the growth from them, but players like Aaron Gordon, players like Jonathan Simmons, to some extent, maybe Alfred Payton, um, you know, you want to see growth from them. Uh, and so I think that that's where the magic are at right now, where they need to see that growth. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But having said that, you don't want to see these self-inflicted wounds. You don't want to see these same... um, You don't want to see these same uh, uh, mistakes happen again and again and again and again. Uh, and I think that, um, and, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to transition here in a sec to you, to your comments and questions here as we get into the mailbag portion. I just want to talk a little bit more about Saturday's game. So I'll get to your questions. Don't worry if it seems like I'm ignoring you in the comments there. Um, but again and again and again and again, we're seeing the Magic make the same mistakes over and over, whether it's the inbounds turnovers. I, I've, I've made the joke for five years now. It's not a Magic game without an inbounds turnover. The Magic had several in Saturday's game. It's the lack of boxing out. I think Frank Vogel himself called out the Magic for their poor boxing out in the game on Saturday. I think he said something to the effect of, these are effort plays. These are things you learn in middle school. And boxing out has been a problem for the Magic throughout the season. It is not something that is unique to this game against Cleveland. But over and over again, these mistakes keep happening. Over and over again, we keep seeing these little effort plays that that you don't think about all the time because you assume that they will happen. And yet the Magic keep making these mistakes. And, you know, I, I think when I think about this season, what's what's most disappointing to me is I look at teams that I feel like have less talent or less developed talent than the Magic, like, say, you know, the Lakers, the Grizzlies. I mean, the Grizzlies, maybe not so much because they've got a lot of injuries, but the Grizzlies, the, the Mavericks, you know, the Bulls, the Nets... You watch those teams, 
And yeah, they might be losing at, the, at, at virtually the same pace as the Magic, and they might be losing really, poor, really badly, but they play with so much effort and intensity and energy, and you don't always feel that from the Magic. And, and honestly, that's maybe why we feel like, and, 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 and certainly it's deserved, why we feel like this Magic team needs to reset its core, needs to continue to, needs to just restart, essentially. Um, find the players that fit, find the players that, that have that energy, and build around them and, and ship everyone else off. Saturday's game to me, it's not about whether you win or lose against the Cavs. Saturday's game to me, and, and, I, and I noticed this comment from several other longtime Magic fans like the Lando, like Ricky Skrika of, of Orlando Magic Daily. Saturday's game to me showed that this Magic team can play at a very high level. They can punch with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Again, Cleveland doesn't have a great defense. They're struggling right now. Isaiah Thomas is still being worked in the lineup, so not not a you know they're not a fully operational battle station right now. But Orlando can certainly punch with them at, at their best. And so the question we always ask when we see the Magic play this way, when we see the Magic play like they did against Detroit, it's where was that? Where's that effort the next night? And so I think what Saturday showed is that the Magic's biggest enemy isn't the opponent. Sure, at at their best, this roster is a 500 team. Let's let, let's stipulate to that. But the Magic's biggest enemy is themselves. They don't play at the energy and intensity level that they need to all the time. They I, I don't think this is anything new. And I, like I've, I've said this on the podcast a million times, I hate questioning players' effort. I I I I, I want to assume that you're playing at your hardest, and it's who am I to judge whether you are or not. But there's that basketball breakdown video that came out um, uh, uh, yes, a few days ago comparing the Magic offense to the Warriors offense, which is an unfair comparison. But a lot of the takeaway from that is the Magic aren't cutting hard. The Magic are stagnant. They're not running through their sets. And a lot of people have questioned Coach Frank Vogel, and yeah, Certainly some of it is on him for not designing an offense that focuses on movement, which I'd like to see because I'm a, I'm a proponent of motion offenses. I love motion offenses. I get angry at 2K when they try to have me run ISOs because I hate ISOs. So that's my personal preference for a style. Um, but the Magic just don't... They, the Magic just seem to get in their own way. It's it's body language. It's composure. It's execution. It's it's making good, simple basketball plays sometimes. And to me, that's been the biggest problem with the Magic all season. The Magic have not had that level of consistency on the very basic things. Early in the season, early in the season, uh, and the the the... the Video comparison was from Basketball Breakdown. Um, I, if you go on Twitter, I believe it's B-Ball Breakdown. Um, I'll let me let me post let me sorry let me post this link real fast. Um, this is real riveting for those listening on the podcast. But you know, I, I think that when it comes to the Magic, um, when it comes to the Magic, Orlando has not had that consistency. That they need. Um, I, if, if you're watching on Facebook Live, I just posted the link to that video that that I that I uh, talked about. I have not watched it in full yet, uh, but but it's gotten. But Coach Nick is fantastic over at Basketball Breakdown. It's a great site if you 
it's a great YouTube channel. It's a great Twitter follow. It's a great site if you don't already follow it for, for really detailed bas really detailed basketball breakdowns. That's what their name is. Um, but really, Orlando right now, where they're at is, is, is the same place they've always been. They've got to find an identity. An identity isn't necessarily a play style. It isn't necessarily a, um, a an attitude or a culture or whatever. It's an identity is what you do every night on a consistent basis. So even on your worst nights, you will still still do this. And I think Orlando's really struggled to find that. And it's 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 something that I think Rob Hennigan in his era wanted to impose a little bit. Um, I think it's something that John Hammond and Jeff Weltman certainly are, are thinking about as well. Um, but right now, what we saw Saturday night to me is, 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 is something of an identity crisis, almost. It's a young team that can emerge from its cocoon on occasion, but, can't, but doesn't have the maturity to tap into that every time. Aaron Gordon said it best after the loss of the Brooklyn Nets. We've got to mature very quickly. And I think we're seeing him mature. What he did in that fourth quarter on Saturday was stupendous. I mean, I, I, am, I am more blown away by Aaron Gordon's growth and development with each game. He's still figuring things out a lot. He still makes a lot of mistakes. He's still got a lot of room to grow. But what he did Saturday to me was just was just incredibly impressive. And I'm I am more confident than ever in in giving him a max contract this summer. So Orlando has to has to kind of find a way to to build that I build something and stop these self-inflicted wounds. Stop being their own worst enemy. If the other team beats you, great. But turnovers, offensive rebounds, some of the, I mean, silly turnovers. Aggressive turnovers, fine. Silly turnovers. Lack of precision lack, uh, on, on defensive rotations. All those things, those are correctable. And the fact that this the team hasn't been able to correct them, whether it's the coaching staff making the wrong adjustments or whether it's simply this team just unable to execute. Those are the things the Magic have to correct right now. And that, to me, is the focus for the rest of the season. Is start building the foundation of something to grow from. Because, as, as I'm sure I will say when we talk about, when we talk in the mailbag here, this isn't a quick fix. The Magic aren't going to be able to change everything at the trade deadline. They're not going to be able to tra change everything this summer. They're building the foundations of a new rebuild, of a new team, essentially. And so it's going to take time. And so you've got to lay those foundations now. And as, as I'm, as, as me being the optimist, me being the optimist here, I look at a core of Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, and this future draft pick and say, there's something there. There is a foundation to build from. But now it's about doing the rest of the work. And the rest of the work is definitely very, very, very hard. Let me run through the stats real fast to Saturday's game just so we get those out of the way. i got to load them up again because I was slow getting online today. Um, the Orlando Magic, of course, fall to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I neglected to say the score. 131-127, to a 40-24 to fourth quarter. Not enough 
to get the Magic the win, especially after giving up 40 points in the third quarter and 67 points, although they only trailed by three at halftime. Um, Orlando is led by none other than Aaron Gordon, 30 points, eight rebounds, two steals, 13 for 26 shooting, one for eight from beyond the arc. The only blemish, uh, hit that and four turnovers, the only blemish for him. Also, Aaron Gordon fouls out. Um, in the fourth quarter alone, though, and this is what I love about this, in the fourth quarter alone, though, Aaron Gordon scores 11 points on five for 10 shooting, uh, has two of his turnovers and two of his steals there as well. Um, I thought Aaron really took over in that fourth quarter. I thought that he was really, really good um, in in that quarter, um, really boosted the magic, uh, brought brought the energy, um, brought the whole team up. But so did Mario Azonia, actually. Azonia scored 10 of his 16 points in the fourth quarter, shooting 7 of 14, 10 rebounds, 2 for 7 from beyond the arc, 4 turnovers for him as well as Orlando turned the ball over 17 times, leading to, I think it was 24 Cleveland points. Um, yeah, 24 points off turnovers for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Or maybe it was 33. I don't I, I can't read these box scores. Um, Evan Fournier, 18 points, 5 for 14, shooting 4 for 8 from beyond the arc, 5 assists, 5 turnovers for him as well. Alfred Payton with 20 points, 8 for 13, shooting 7 rebounds, 5 assists for him. Really did well, especially after Aaron Gordon fouled out to keep the magic in the game, make it close, made it a 3-point game. So good on him. Wes Awundu with his best game of his career, 12 points, 6 for 7, shooting 5 rebounds, 3 assists. Um, thing I love about Wes Awundu, uh, I'm going to make, make a quick point about Wes Awundu before I close this portion of the show out. Um, Wes Awundu to me, uh, watching him play um, is, I, I, I am seeing a ton of defensive growth from him. Um, it, it, he has great defensive instincts. We knew that already. That's why the Magic drafted him. Um, but his basketball IQ is really starting to show now that he is getting used to NBA speed. I saw him make a few rotations and a few plays in Saturday's game where I was like, he wasn't making that play earlier in the season. So I think now that he's gotten more and more comfortable with the NBA speed, his defense is really starting to show up. And then on offense, he's really smart as a cutter. He's not a great shooter yet, and that's the big thing he's going to have to work on and develop over the summer. But his off his sense to cut off the ball is really fantastic. And so I, I, I'm, I am, I'm really excited to see what Awandu is able to do the rest of the season. I think that he will stay in the rotation, get plenty of minutes, even with some guys coming back from injury. But um, definitely a really exciting player. Um, I think Lakeland has helped him grow. I wrote about that um, earlier, in, earlier in in the week. But um, I may have to talk a little bit more about Wes Awandu because because I, I really like what he's done. Once again, the Orlando Magic fall to the Cleveland Cavaliers, one thirty one to one twenty seven at the Amway Center. They play there on a three game road trip this week. They'll play at Dallas on Tuesday, at Milwaukee on Wednesday, and then finish up at Washington on Saturday. So we'll have complete coverage of that on Locked On Magic. You can subscribe to that podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, as well as check us out on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. 
Sometimes you and I need that kind of support too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Like I said, though, this is the midseason mailbag, so we'll spend the next 30 or so minutes talking about your questions. So let me run through the comments real fast um, and uh, answer your questions that you've left in the comments. I told you I'd get back to them, so I'm playing some catch-up here a little bit. I can see that there's a lot going on, so I'm going to slowly get through your comments uh, here in the next 30 minutes and maybe preview some of the questions that I got in the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag that I'll be publishing later this week. Uh, Maria Gomez asked, could this season be saved? It depends on what you mean by saved. Could the Magic make the playoffs? Well, we're 40 games into the season, or 40 games into the season, so about the midway point. Orlando's on pace to win 25 games. Um, for Orlando to reach 41 games, they have to go 20, 29 and 12. 29 and 12. So to win 29 games in your last 41 is a 707 win percentage. When Orlando was 8 and 4, that's a 667 win percentage. So essentially, for the Magic to get to 500, which is looking like is going to be the mark to make the playoffs, Orlando would have to go on a 707 win, would have to go on the pace of a 58 win team. I don't think the Magic will go on the pace of a 58 win team. Let's be honest. Um, I don't see them making the playoffs at this point. Uh, you know, I'm an optimist. Um, I, I put out that tweet a few days ago joking that if the Magic went on the, the clip that they were at at the beginning of the season, they'd reach 40-41 wins. That wasn't to say that they would do it. That wasn't to say that they can. I mean, clearly they can do it for, for at least a short amount of time. But it's to show that to get to 40 or 41 wins, which is probably what it'll cost to make the playoffs... Orlando's got to play ridiculously well. So, I, 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 Maria, if you're still on here, I, I'll ask, what does saving the season really mean? I think the goals for the year have changed. It's no longer about making the playoffs. It's no longer That's no longer the goal. The goal now is to, A, continue Jeff Weltman's evaluations of the roster, whatever they are, however far they are, continue them, make decisions about players, and map out a future. The key the rest of the season is to map out a future. What does this team look like next year? What does this team look like in two years? What does this team look like in three years? And three years especially because that's when the Magic will actually have cap room again. So that is, I think, the main goal is, again, to figure out what you have and what will be part of the future. The second goal to me is, what is Aaron Gordon's ceiling? I think right now the the main purpose for the Magic is to give Aaron Gordon every opportunity he can to grow and take ownership and leadership of this team. Let's face it. This is his team now. Evan Fournier, Nikola Vucevic, I love you guys. You're, you're good dudes. You've been great players for this franchise and this organization, but it definitely feels like it's time to move on or at least change their roles if they are to return. And Aaron Gordon's got to be the focal point of this team. And Orlando's got to figure out every way they can to make Aaron Gordon a better player or, or, or to help him be the best player he can be with supporting pieces. And I think we'll begin to see that shifting going on at the trade deadline in February. Ryan Showalter asked, do you believe the loss of Terrence Ross has been understated? I absolutely believe that. Um, I was one of the people that was saying Terrence Ross was not the problem. 
um, before he got hurt or when he moved out of the starting lineup. I know Ross volunteered to move out of the starting lineup as the team was struggling a little bit. But honestly, to me, Ross was playing really, really well. I was very happy with how Terrence Ross was playing. The only thing he was missing was his three-point shot, which was not falling at the rate that it normally does. Um, and so I think that um, I think that the Magic are definitely losing something in Terrence Ross. Ross was a very good team defender. He may not be the greatest one-on-one defender, but he is very good knowing where to be in help side, where to be in rotations, and I think that's something that the Magic have really lacked. I think that the, that's something that the Magic have really struggled with this season is just being on the same page defensively, and Ross was always kind of on the same page, always, if not on the same page defensively as everyone else, but kept everyone kind of on the same page because he was always in the right spots, and I think that's something you can't measure with statistics. I can't t- point to a stat and say that. All I can say is when I observe Terrence Ross, that's how he played. And, and I think that the Magic have really missed him. And not only that, yeah, Terrence Ross wasn't making threes effectively this year. But I think teams around the league respect his three-point shot enough to where he had gravity about him. Even if he wasn't making threes, teams did not want to leave him open. And I think the Magic have missed that specifically with Jonathan Simmons in the lineup. I wrote about this yesterday on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Jonathan Simmons has been shooting really poorly in the last 10 games or so. Teams are willing to leave him open. Um, I, I think that's that's just fact. They, 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 they're daring him to shoot. Terrence Ross is not a guy that teams dare to shoot. And so I think the Magic have definitely missed Terrence Ross. Um, I think more, everyone points to the Jonathan Isaac injury, and, and it's true, the Magic were 8-4, and, and then Jonathan Isaac went down. And I think the Magic have missed him a lot. I think the season really turned set, turned for the worse when Terrence Ross got hurt. Because not only are you now down two rotation guys, you're down two rotation guys who are, who are probably the two best team defenders on, on the team. So definitely, definitely a big loss not having Terrence Ross around. Uh, Joshua Lloyd asks, what player on the lo- on the roster will be the first traded? Um, if it were me, um, if it were me, I think the biggest, the biggest need, uh, I'm going to warp your question a little bit here, Josh, uh, Joshua. Um, if it were me, um, I think that, uh, Terrence or that, that Alfred Payton is probably the biggest question mark. The point guard position is the biggest question mark. The magic need to resolve. Um, Alfred Payton has been good. He's putting up a lot of really nice stats and, and when he is on, he is on like offensively when he is on and he's got the ball in his hands. He is a really good point guard, and, and there's a lot to like about him. And his inconsistency at bringing that intensity on offense is, is, is sometimes maddening. But to me, the biggest issue is defensively. Um, this team needs to be built off its defense. And Peyton's struggles on that end uh, have continued to frustrate everyone, I think. Um, where he just, he just gives up a lot defensively. Uh, and so, if I were breaking it by priority, um, I think... Nikola Vucevic, I mean, everyone wants to wants to deal with the Vucevic question. Everyone wants to deal with Fournier to free up some space for Aaron. Um, I don't think those are as pressing needs as the point guard position. I think if you set a good defensive tone at point guard, everything else will kind of fall into place. And so I think that's something that the Magic have really missed the last few years. And then Alfred Payton just hasn't developed. Um, when the Magic, I think, fell apart in the 19 and 13 season, um, uh, I think that Alfred Payton's defense was a big reason why. Um, I think Orlando just, uh, and both that and Oladipo's defense wasn't great that, that season either. Um, I think both those things really contributed to the Magic falling apart the way that they did, and and those were two leaders on the team. And, and on top of all that, again, um, that's another big point for me. Alfred Payton has been this team's point guard for four years now. 
And it never seems like he's able to get the team playing at a higher level. When, when the team is struggling, when the team is um, kind of muddying through things, Peyton, as the leader, as the point guard, needs to be the one to lift everyone up. And it just seems like he never does that. It seems like he, he gets his stats, but it doesn't really affect winning. And I think that's, that's really a damning thing as well about, about Peyton. Again, he's a good player. Um, I think he has a place in this league, but not with this team. This team isn't the best fit for him. He needs more shooters around him. He needs to have the ball in his hands a little bit more, and I don't think the Magic can provide that. Um, Mark, uh, I always get your name wrong, um, Mark, but Mark NG uh, asks, do you think there's any chance of Azonia returning next year and Ross leaving instead? Um, kind of going back to Joshua's question, um, if Ross were healthy, I would actually say Terrence Ross is a good candidate to get traded. He's on a relatively team-friendly deal. I think it's, what, $12.5 million this year and next next. Similar to Nikola Vucevic, I think those are two tradable contracts, and contracts that the Magic will look to be trading and possibly could trade. If not now, then certainly over the summer. I think those will be valuable deals for the Magic as they begin to reshape this roster. Um, personally, I, Mario Zonia has impressed me. He's playing really good basketball, finally getting some minutes. He's got some confidence, and you can see the talent that he has. Unfortunately, I, I don't see a way the Magic bring him back. Um, it's not even that if the Magic want to bring him back, they're limited by what they can offer him. Um, I looked this up in the CBA, and if I read it correctly, um, because the Magic declined his team option, the, the, the essentially it becomes an extension, and extensions off of team options are limited to one year, and the, and the max salary they can offer is his salary this year. So, yeah, maybe that's probably more than what Hizonia can get in the market, but if I'm a Mario Hizonia, I don't know if I give this team another year. Um, I think that the Magic deciding to decline his team option was done as a favor to the agent to say, look, we didn't draft him. We want to we want to start clean. We don't think we don't know if he's going to get minutes. We're going to try and trade him. Uh, but if we can't, we'll let him go this summer and you guys can go do what you need to do. Um, I, I really think that's that that was the decision making with the Magic there, um, trying to curry some favor with the agent and, 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 and reset that relationship. Um, so uh, I I. I don't see Mario Azonia coming back. I don't think I, I think him and his representation want to move on, want to start somewhere fresh. Um, I think honestly, again back to Joshua's question, I think Mario Azonia gets traded to the trade deadline. Um, I, I think that that the Magic will find him find him a place or someone will give him a chance. And while they won't have the restricted free agency rights, um, they won't. I don't believe they'll be restricted by the team option restrictions that the Magic will have. So I, I think that. You know, the ship with Hizonia sailed. It's nice that he's finally playing well. I'm really happy for him. He still makes a lot of mistakes. I still wouldn't trust him as a starter. I still don't view, you know, he's still not fifth overall pick Mario Hizonia, but he's become what he needs to become, and that's role player Mario Hizonia, where he does something for the team and does something positive for the team. And so, um, happy for him that he's done that. Um, he's taken advantage of this opportunity, and hopefully he gets a good opportunity somewhere else next year. Um, Gabrielle Illa asks, where are we at with actually making trades this year to improve this team? This team has no heart. Um, trade deadline's coming up in February. It's February 8th this year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the first Thursday of February, or the Thursday before the all, the Thursday, the weekend before the All-Star break weekend. Uh, so trades are coming. Um, it, you, I don't think we'll see much action until the trade deadline. And we're, we're seeing some rumors pop out on Steve Kyler, Basketball Insiders. Uh, you know, reporting or, or, or stirring things up, saying the Magic plan to be active. They're open to trading Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier. You know, stuff that we all expect. And and so I think that the but but that the Magic aren't in a fire sale. They're not just going to give guys away. They're looking for value back. 
Um, I think that Orlando knows they can afford to be a little bit patient. Um, if there is a deal they like at the deadline, I think they will go for it. I think that um, they're, they're picking out the players that they really want, um, players that they know that, that, that they should move on from. I think that they're, they're making those determinations right now. Um, and so I think that um, Orlando will be active at the deadline, but that doesn't mean they'll make a deal. Um, I think more activity, more moves, more trades will happen at the draft in the summer. I think that's where the Magic will really look to reshape the roster. Um, they don't have a lot of cap room uh, to work with. Uh, you know, A lot of it's going to have to be spent on Aaron Gordon, so maybe they, they're willing to take on bigger salaries now to get that out of the way while they still have some cap room to work with. Um, a lot of people have glommed on to this idea of George Hill. I'm one of them. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's really about what the Magic can offer more than what the Magic will take back. I think Orlando's looking for something specific. They're looking for either salary cap relief, as, as I discussed earlier in the week, or they're looking for players that fit their long-term vision. Um, and so if they can get those, then they'll move forward and then they'll, um, then they'll make a trade. Um, yes, this team has really struggled, um, and, and it's frustrating the way that they've struggled. If you're going to be bad, at least be fun. This is not a fun, bad team. It hasn't been a fun, bad team for several years now. Um, but, uh, but it's still going to take patience. Um, you know, Orlando's got to find the right deals. I say this a lot. No deal is better than a bad deal. Letting contracts flip over a year while frustrating, and I don't think the Magic should, you know, run back the same crew again next year. That would be silly. But guys, the players the Magic have will gain more value as our contracts come closer to expiration. So I think Orlando knows they can be a little bit patient. They don't have to rush into a deal. They're not trying to make the playoffs this year right now. Honestly, next year, I'm sure they'd love to make the playoffs, but I don't think they're pushing. They're not pushing their chips all in to make the playoffs. If it happens, it happens. Um, but right now, the focus is on growth and development and finding the, the foundation and the pieces of the team that they want to be. Uh, Maria Gomez asks again: Is the coach not reaching the players? Or the team isn't developing as expected. Um, Maria, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that. Um, the players haven't quite developed as expected, although I'm, I'm getting ready to write this. Several young players have played better than, than they have. They have shown great improvement. Um, Aaron Gordon uh, is the obvious one. Mario Zonia is an obvious one. I think Nikola Vucevic has shown, shown a lot of improvement. I think um, Alfred Payton has shown improvement in some areas too. And so um, I think that Orlando has um, made some strides and made some steps forward in the right direction. Um, but at the same time, there's just a lack of execution uh, of the defensive game plan. And, and yeah, that does fall a little bit on Frank Vogel. And I think there's been, and I'm sure that this question's coming, um, there have been some questions about Frank Vogel and his future with the team. Um, uh, Jeff Waldman, in his interview with Josh Robbins with the Orlando Sentinel, said pretty the only unequivocal thing he said is, Frank Vogel is our coach, his job is safe. And, you know, that's safe for now because coaches are hired to be fired. Um, and, and, I, and I am curious what happens at the end of the season if the Magic, in their evaluations, decide, you know, we don't think you're the right coach and there's a mutual parting. That would not surprise me if that happens, um, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I think that is that it is uh, perfectly reasonable, perfectly possible for that to happen. But let's kind of slow the roll a little bit on that. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that this group has been together. They have not experienced any success. They experienced a little bit of success at the beginning of the season. They have no reason not to listen to these coaches. To me, the fact that they're not executing a game plan, that they're not bringing the same consistent level of energy and effort, yeah, Vogel needs to get a little bit more out of them perhaps, but 
to me, that's on the players. That's on the players not buying in, and, and they have no reason not to buy in. It worked um, earlier in the year, so what changed? It, it isn't just the injuries. Um, it, it is a different team than from the beginning of the season. Sure, they made a lot of shots. They were shooting at an incredible rate early in the season, but 12 games isn't insignificant. 12 out of 82 games is nearly a 12th of the season. Um, you know, it's, it's not an insignificant amount of time. And so... I put a lot of this on the players. Um, yeah, the coach deserves some blame. I don't think I don't. Vogel has definitely had some rotation issues. He's definitely um, struck, had some different adjustment issues as well, which which are well known about him, unfortunately. But um, I think that I, I don't put the season on Vogel. I think next year will definitely be a big season for Vogel. He's got to bring some results, show some tangible improvement. Um, but to me, this season's on the players. They've changed the coach so many times. Uh, the players have remained relatively the same. They've got to deliver. Um, you know, this isn't a final product, so I think the players are on the hook more for this than than the coaching staff is. Um, Jasmine Hawkins asked Josh Robbins recently did an interview with Jeff Feldman. If you've read the interview, what did you take from it? Um, I, 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 I not not to not to plug my own stuff here, but um, I commented a lot about this on I believe it was no oh, Friday's episode of Locked On Magic. There we go, Friday's episode of Locked On Magic. So if you go onto iTunes, search for Locked On Magic. Or go to Stitcher, tune in, um, you know, the places that you would go to download your podcast. Um, search for Locked On Magic. Friday's episode of Locked On Magic, I believe I talked extensively about the interview uh, with Jeff Weltman as well as the Magic's trade deadline strategy. So I won't won't go into a full answer here. But essentially, my big takeaway from it is uh, there's a lot of disappointment with how the Magic have played. Injuries have played a role. But Orlando is, but Weltman is still evaluating his roster and evaluating what direction the team needs to go. So I, I think that... Um, I think that Orlando is um, still figuring out what direction it wants to head uh, as a, as an organization long term, um, and uh, and I, I think that's that's the stance that that Weltman's taking. Um, I, when I read it, I read a lot of GM babble. Um, you know that that seems derogatory. I'm sorry, uh, but it, it felt like Weltman was trying to to, to keep a, a, a tight message. Um, you know, didn't want to reveal too much about where what he's thinking, and and I can respect that. I'm you know I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go um, crazy over that. Um, but um, let me just run through these comments here. I'm actually at the comments that I didn't get to as I started this. Um, Joshua Lloyd asked again, "What is your feeling on Isaac's injury? Is he coming back this season? If he does, do you believe they will start him?" Um, I think that. Uh, I think that uh, um, Isaac's uh, Jonathan Isaac told Steve Kyler of Basketball Insiders on Saturday that yeah I probably rushed back from this injury and that wasn't smart. Um, so I, I think that um, I, I think that uh, we will see Isaac later on this year. It is just a sprained ankle after all. Um, I think it was worse than um, than the medical staff or at least the magic let us know. Um, so I don't think it was your typical sprained ankle, you know, maybe been a high ankle sprain, may have been a grade three ankle sprain or grade two ankle sprain rather than your typical, Oh, I rolled my ankle. Now, you know, my ankle hurts when I put weight on it. We've, we've all had those if we play basketball. Um, but, uh, I think that we will see Isaac later on this year. I think that they shut, they kind of shut him down to just kind of get it out of his head that no, you're not playing anytime soon. So let's, Let's focus on your rehab, get you healthy, and then throw you back out there. Um, and, and it was clear that he wasn't quite right. I mean, I think he, he, he injured his ankle a few, you know, once or twice when he came back. So I think what's important is get him healthy, get him back to 100%, and then throw him back out there. I don't think you start him immediately. 
Um, there will be a time if he's playing late in the season that, yeah, absolutely start him because the Jonathan Isaac-Aaron Gordon duo is this team's future. That That is the most important duo that the team has um, on the team. Uh, and so uh, I think that uh, I think that that we will see Isaac. Um, I think eventually he will start, but again, you got to bring him along a little bit, a little bit slowly, um, especially coming off of such a big injury. Um, Dontrell G. Foster asks, "Iwundu just needs a little more time, minutes, and when when will we see Birch? Should we sign him for the remainder of the season?" Uh, yes, um, Birch is. Uh, if Birch is not waived by five o'clock today, which the Magic have said they will not do, Birch's contract is guaranteed for the rest of the season. I don't know when we're going to see Ken Birch. Um, I would have played him by now, too. Um, I, I think I, I appreciate Frank Vogel wanting consistency with his rotations. Um, I, I appreciate that sentiment. Maurice Spates has been hot and cold, and you can usually tell pretty quickly whether he's going to be hot, and if he's not hot, then he's very, very cold. Um, so I think um, I think that... Uh, um, uh, uh, I think that... Uh, Orlando right now, um, they got to find a way to get Birch out there um, in, in certainly spot minutes. Uh, so I think that um, I think that there's definitely a, a lot uh, to, to say about that. That that they got to get him some minutes. Um, I think we'll see him get more minutes as the season goes on. Um, you know, obviously the Magic are keeping him, even though he's played only 20 minutes total in NBA games this season. They like him. Um, whether he can get minutes or not, yeah, he should be getting minutes uh, as well. Um, and one do, yeah. Him getting more minutes has, has definitely, you can see him growing. You can see him getting a lot better. Saturday night was was a fantastic, fantastic game. Uh, so um, uh, definitely a, a good good show there. Um, I forgot to do this last week, Mikey. I'm going to get to it now. Um, definitely, I want to give a shout out to our friends at Orlando Magic UK. Um, don't forget to follow uh, Mikey Clark and, and Jarrett Jones, I think it is. Um, at, I think they're at Orlando Magic UK, our, good, our great fans in the UK. Um, if you're in the UK, um, there's going to be a Magic fan meetup at the NBA London game at 3 p.m. in England, um, uh, and, and John Amici is going to be there, and John Amici is the man. I love John Amici. Um, loved him in Orlando, um, both as a player and as a person. I actually I was in middle school at the time, got to meet him. Fantastic dude. Great on Twitter. Um, really just really just smart guy. Uh, not only just a smart guy, good basketball player. Um, uh, uh, so John Amici is involved in the NBA London game of so former Magic legend John Amici. Um, uh, so if you're in London, uh, follow at, 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 uh, at uh, I think it's Orlando Magic UK. Mikey, if you're still on here, uh, correct me and I'll, I'll correct myself there. Um, if you're in the UK uh, for, for some Magic fans, um, so I'll get the shout out out of the way there. Um, Nick Provey uh, kind of leading some conversation here about the Magic's fast break. He said, I'm no basketball genius, but the most frustrating thing about watching the Magic is that they don't play to their positive attributes. AG is uber athletic and Mario is a bit too... They both run fast breaks and are open 75% of the time, yet never get the ball. Um, I think that's a little unfair. Um, Mario, yeah, maybe he doesn't get the ball as much as he should. Um, Aaron is Aaron Gordon is best in transition. Um, I think I think Aaron is as, as guilty as anyone of getting tunnel vision when he is in transition, but he's really good at finishing in the open court, so I don't have so much of a problem with that. Um, Orlando plays at the seventh fastest pace in the league. They're a top 10 team in terms of pace. So I think Orlando is getting the number of possessions and fast break opportunities that they want. Um, they, I think they're still among the league leaders in fast break points, or if not in the top 10, top half for sure. So um, fast break efficiency, I don't think is as big of a problem as, as everyone thinks. Could they move the ball a little bit better? Sure. They could always move the ball a little bit better. Um, do certain guys get tunnel vision when they're in transition? Sure. But everyone else does too. Um, 
Orlando's just a really mismatched roster. Um, Peyton likes to get out in transition. Aaron likes to follow him. Other than that, is Evan Fournier really a fast-breaking player? That part I don't know. Um, so I think that there is something to that, but maybe not quite in the way that you want. Uh, certainly the Magic could could move the ball a little bit better um, and and get uh, get guys back. I'm kind of following up. I'm getting, I'm catching up on comments here, so I apologize if this seems out of place. Jasmine Hawkins, uh, Don, Dontrell Foster again asked, will T. Ross be back before the trade deadline? I have no clue when Terrence Ross is going to be back. Um, I think his injury is a little bit more serious than, than everyone is letting on. Um, we obviously haven't seen him yet, so I'm not sure when we're going to see him back. I wouldn't. I don't think we'll see him back before the trade deadline, um, or certainly not with enough time to allow teams to make a decision about him. Um, so uh, definitely, uh, definitely, uh, uh, you know, some interesting stuff. Um, uh, I'm not going to get into the hair thing with Alfred Payton. I'm sorry. Um, I I don't know if Malcolm Brogdon's available. So I'm, I, 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 I get everyone's looking at point guards. Um, if the Magic could get Malcolm Brogdon, I'd be very happy. But I, I don't think he's I don't think he's available. Um, sorry, I'm thumbing through the comments here. So uh, I wonder what it would take for the Magic to get another top 10 pick in the draft. Um, Leslie Stoves asked, I wonder what it would take for the Magic to get another top 10 pick in the draft. Um, I'll talk about the draft here. This this would be the good time to talk about the draft, I think. Um, uh, um, to This draft is, it's really, to me, a six-player draft, and I think there are some good players in the back half of the lottery as well. To get a top 10 draft pick, Orlando would probably have to give up Aaron Gordon. Like, I think teams are really valuing draft picks very highly. Um, they're not going to be willing to take on a big salary in Evan Fournier. They're not going to be willing to take on even a moderate salary in Nikola Vucevic or Terrence Ross. I mean, we know what these players are. They're not players that develop into stars. Um, if the Magic had, say, last year Orlando Victor Oladipo, that might get them into the top 10. Might get them another top 10 pick. A team, essentially, essentially to get a top 10 pick, you have to give someone the value of what you consider a top 10 pick. And so who on this Magic roster has that value. Jonathan Isaac does. Aaron Gordon does. And I don't think the Magic are willing to give up that. Now, having said that, Orlando is currently... Let me double-check my tankathon here. Orlando is currently third in the lottery odds for the draft. They have a... If you finish third, you have a 46.9% chance at, the, at a top three pick and a 15.6% chance at the top pick. I can run a lottery sim here. And Orlando moves up to two. I can run another one, and Orlando's back at three. I could run another one, and Orlando is fifth. I mean, it, it, Orlando, Orlando, I think, they're third in the lottery odds. It's, they'll probably stay at the three, four, five mark um, you know, in, in the lottery odds. So I think that they'll get one of these top six guys. And my top six are, in no particular order, Luka Doncic, Marvin Bagley, DeAndre Ayton, Collins, Colin Sexton, uh, Trey Young, Jaron Jackson Jr. Mar oh, did I say Marvin Bagley? I don't know. There, there are guys in this draft that I really like, and that that team should really like. And I didn't even say Michael uh, Michael Porter Jr. So, I think that if you if, if let, let's let's scale the camera back here. When you look at the team and their future development, you've got Aaron Gordon, who I think some of us consider an All Star this year if the team were playing better. But everyone likes his growth. Everyone thinks he can continue to get better. He's got star written over all over him right now. 
You got Jonathan Isaac, second, sixth overall pick last year. Uh, a guy that the Magic really like. Guy has a ton of potential. Going to need some development time, but a very, very good player. And then you have, let's say, the third overall pick in this year's draft. Whether it's Aiton, Bagley, Young, Sexton, Porter, whoever. Donkic, whoever. To me, that is a really great core to build, build around. So I don't think the Magic need to trade up in this draft or trade into a second lottery pick. They, they, yeah, they could always use more talent, and if they can, great. I don't think they have the assets to do so, and I don't think the Magic are willing to give up future picks to do so because who knows where they're going to be at. They, Again, if you're thinking about the future, let's say the Magic go in with you know, kind of another mishmash roster next year, you know, maybe featuring their guys a little bit more, and they end up with another high pick. That's another guy you can build around. That's four really good, possibly really good players you can build around. Now you got something. And so, um, while I think this season has been really dark and really bad and, and not at all what anyone expected, they've kind of failed in the exact right way you want to fail. And, you know, if things hold up the second half of the season the way they've gone the first half, then I think Orlando does have the beginnings of a really nice score. So I, I'm going to end today's show on a positive. That Orlando does have something to build from there. Intentionally or unintentionally. They've done a good they've they've done a good job giving themselves something to build from. And it's tough to sell a fan base that's been six years out of the playoffs, or will be six years out of the playoffs, um, that this is something that you can believe in. It's new management, so I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. This isn't Rob Hennigan. You know his mistakes. We know all of that. This is a new management. This is year zero of a rebuild. And so if next year's year one, if next year's really the first year that we can really begin analyzing what Jeff Waltman's trying to do and, and, and judging the direction this team is going, they've got a good base to start from. And so I don't think the re, uh, any rebuild is going to take as long as we think. I think the Magic, the Magic are far away today. But the Magic are much closer than most people think. Now, obviously, they got to get the draft picks right. Jonathan Isaac's got to develop. Aaron Gordon's got to prove that he can do this again. And they got to find the right secondary pieces. I mean, I think that was the big issue of the Rob Hennigan era was the Magic never found the right secondary pieces. It was always makeshift benches, and, and, and Leslie Stoves is right. If, if a one-do can be a solid bench player, um, then that adds to the potential of this team. Um, you got to find the right role players to surround your stars. But Orlando also has to... Um, Orlando is, is much further along than I think people give them credit for. Um, uh, again, gotta get, you got to get these decisions right. You got to make the right draft pick this year. This year's draft pick is absolutely huge, bigger than the Jonathan Isaac draft pick. Um, you know, so it's it's definitely, definitely, I think there is definitely hope, but you got to get it right. You got to get it right, and if you can get it right, then then we got something. Then we can move forward. And I think that's the best place to leave things today. So I didn't even get to my mailbag questions. Great questions from everyone here in the Facebook Live. Again, I appreciate everyone for joining me uh, for the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. Again, we go 
Uh, Jamek, don't worry. The magic, it's up to the magic. And remember, Aaron Gordon is restricted. Uh, Jamek Foster jumps in and says, I hope AG signs back with us. Uh, Aaron Gordon is a restricted free agent. So essentially, uh, the magic have the right of first refusal. They can match any offer on Aaron Gordon this summer, regardless of the salary cap. They have his bird rights. So um, I, I anticipate his summer is going to go very similar to how Tobias Harris' summers went. Um, they're going to say, you know, we think you are worth X, and it's going to be very generous. Um, probably somewhere in the range of probably he's probably going to get offered a ninety million over four year deal, if not five, um, if not a hundred. No, it'll be at least a hundred over five, if not ninety over four. Um, um, but essentially, they're going to say they're going to make him that initial offer and say, if you get a max offer sheet, we will match. And someone, if someone offers him a max offer sheet, they will match. Um, I don't. I think. I think Aaron Gordon has proven that he can be part of this team's core, part of this team's future. Um, it, it, I think that they will match any offer on Aaron Gordon. So I think he is. He is part of this team moving forward. Um, I, I, that's that's my opinion. Um, you know, I might be wrong, but um, I, I really do believe Aaron Gordon will be back with this team uh, next season. Um, again, thanks everyone for the questions during the Facebook Live. If you're listening on Locked On Magic and want to join the Facebook Live. I go live off the Orlando, the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook page every Sunday at noon. Um, I think next week the Magic play a game at 1 p.m. So I may do an early start time to the to the podcast next week. Um, next week, the, no, no, Magic don't play. That's that's the 21st. So never mind that. Um, but be on the lookout for that. Uh, so every Sunday at noon on the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Orlando Magic Daily. I do a live Facebook Live. I take your questions live on the air, talk about issues that are going on with Magic. Next week on the Facebook Live, I will do my midseason review. I'll talk about my midseason MV- my midseason MVP, um, Aaron Gordon, uh, as well as uh, what questions the Magic have to answer in the third quarter of the season. Um, definitely, definitely some interesting questions to ask and de- definitely some interesting questions to answer um, if you care to, to, to kind of slog through some of this some of the season with us. Uh, so be sure to tune in next week at noon on the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook page for that. As always, though, you can follow you can follow along with the podcast Locked On Magic on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast listening device, um, podcast-enabled listening device. Uh, I, a daily podcast, about 30 minutes every day, much shorter than, than this episode doing daily recaps and talking about the daily issues with the team. So every Monday through Friday, Locked On Magic is available to you to download and listen for a daily dose of the Orlando Magic. Of course, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic, as well as like that on Facebook at Locked On Magic. You can, of course, like Orlando Magic Daily on Facebook at Orlando Magic Daily. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com and follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. And of course, you can follow me, Philip Rossmanreich, on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Again, thanks everyone for the questions. Thanks everyone for joining us for the Facebook Live. Enjoy the Jacksonville Jaguars game. Go Jags. You can check out Locked on Jaguars for a complete recap of today's playoff game uh, and hopefully a preview of their divisional round game uh, throughout the week on Locked on Jaguars. Be sure to check that out. Um, but for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman, right? Thanks again for joining us here on the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live as well as on Locked on Magic. We will see you all again next time. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.